I'm here with Rashid Hami. I hope I pronounced it okay. Perfectly. <laughs> You're here in New York. Welcome. Thanks. Premiered your film at Venice last year, right? Yes, yes exactly. And now last night at Rendezvous with French Cinema at Lincoln Center. How was it? Uh, as, as usual, you know, uh, coming to New York is like uh, for every uh, director, uh, it has a special flavor and uh, even more when you go to uh, have like a screening at the Lincoln Center because it's an honor. This place has seen so many directors coming in and showing their movies, you know, so there is like this uh, very nice feeling to, to, to in some kind of way. Uh, being this movie theater, so I was very happy, and uh, most importantly, I was very happy to to meet with the New York, uh, the New Yorkers, and this kind of very specific uh, uh, audience that uh, s like have seen so many movies. That uh, you know, New York is a, a city of cinema in many ways, yeah. and uh, yes, was very moving. I mean, we think the same of Paris. You know, we go there and and feel and can, of course, you know. We, we idolize those places as, as I think today, you know, Lincoln Center really holds, holds the flame, but in the United States, just France is much more pure for cinema these days, I feel. Oh, because I think if we talk about this thing, it's a very political issue, I think, in some ways, because in France, um, we are trying to protect our industry. Okay. Our create like our creative industry, and we are trying to keep on having a diversity of movies, a di diversity of point of view, a diversity of stories, and uh, this is because uh, it's uh, a, how the government has built like the cinema industry in France. Um, in so many ways, I think what's very difficult nowadays in U.S. is the indie movie scene mm. shrinked uh, yeah. dramatically, yeah. should not say tragically. Yeah. And uh, we, we can see it each time you have a director that is doing like a very good indie movie. Uh, one week or two weeks after we hear, oh, the next Marvel movie will be directed by this guy or this woman. Yeah. And, 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 and what I mean is like, you see, I think we need to get back here also in U.S. into what makes U.S. a great cinema place is the the, the diversity that they had in the post uh, Second World War movie industry and the new Hollywood after, you know. I mean, uh, and in France, we need to protect this because right now after COVID, the, the box office is getting difficult for all those art house movies. Right. Uh, the Asterisk movies. movie does well, though. <laughs> the Asterisk movie doesn't do, do that well, my Oh, friend. it didn't do well? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, because the movie is so expensive, what right. they were expecting, you know, it's much, like, they, 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 they expected much more, but they needed much more than what they did, okay. you know. And so, so in some kind of way, Asterix is like, unfortunately, is, is like a... a not as satisfactory what than what we all wished for it because you know uh, here is simple in France no matter the movies mm -hmm. if, a, if if a movie is successful we know a part of the money this movie has grossed will be shared and split after to produce other movies you know right. so for us we are hoping that any kind of movie right. can be successful. You know? Yeah, so even if Vincent Cassel and Guillaume Canet, some of your stars, go do you know a kind of goofy movie, it's still a good thing because it will pay for their 
brilliant art house movie that they exactly. made. Exactly. Right. It's, it's not ha- the same in the U.S. I know yeah. because it's, it's a very different thing. It's yeah. a different thing. It's a different system. Oh, oh sorry. That might be. Uh, you want to grab it? Yeah. Thanks. No, this is the donuts. We got donuts for. Uh, <laughs> I got croissants because that's what I like. I like French food, and we got American food for you. Is that that's it, right? Exactly. All right, what great. It is. <laughs> Perfect. There you can, go. We That's can talk you about you can you should leave this part about donuts. No, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm recording. We're leaving. You need it in. to keep yeah. it in. Yeah. Look at that. Let's t- uh, ah, it's beautiful. Whatever you guys want. Let me get Man, thanks a lot. Tu vois là? Là? You know the only reason I came to see you this morning is because they told me you have donuts. Oh, This is a very nice planet. Yeah. Very nice. I like oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's Japanese. I know. That's it's the beautiful. Japanese lacquer. I'm very into my tea, so I have a lot of uh, a lot of Japanese and Chinese stuff. But yeah, here. Go, okay. Go nuts. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, so which one do you advise me to take? You are the special. Let's see. I mean, these are filled. These are not. So I got different with those. Those are just croissants. So leave those. These are, yeah, these are filled with like raspberry and whatever. And those are just like a vanilla and chocolate one. Um, I don't know, whichever you want. Yeah. I can heat them up if you want to. Oh man, it's beautiful. Good? And these are, these are from Ore Washers. It's a very Jewish one. So I, mm. we're, we're on the Upper East Side where all the uh, Jewish delis are. So, you know, Jewish bakeries. And, oh, this is, um, you're having Sutkanyot, actually. It's a special one. So it's, it's a Jewish holiday right now. And Sutkanyot is, it's like a special Jewish donut. <laughs> this <laughs> donut is amazing. Yeah. So we I should like do a show donut. just about donuts next time. <laughs> <laughs> we come here, we taste things, and we talk about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's really impressive, huh? Yeah, it's good stuff. They make this. This is one of the best bakeries. It's cool. Thanks for so, that. Mm. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to this. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell I like it, huh? Yeah, it's good. they're good. Uh, so we were talking about, I think. Uh, you know the difference. Well, well, well. First, I mean, you were telling me before about the audience in New York. So t- tell me about you know you had a you had a nice audience last night and you had a forty five minute Q and A. That's amazing. Because the questions were good. Yeah. What they ask. I think there is what um, what the the, the, the programmer of uh, the Lincoln Center, Aline Monzier, uh, mm. Florence Monzier. Aline is just here. Florence Gould Hall. <laughs> yeah. Florence was like, um, like ask us questions that were very like uh, interesting for me to answer because they talk about how we transform in some kind of way a personal story into a cinema story. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a process that is like very interesting for me to dive into because in some kind of ways it's uh, the journey I went through for seven years of writing. Yeah. For, for writing for my country. So the first of all was that. And after there's questions about the movie, how we decided to make a movie in this specific way, you know, the style of the movie. Uh, because, you know, I in think... In what sense? Style, like what parts of the style? 
I think you see, um, usually when we do a movie about um, some some topics that are as heavy as this one, uh, we talk about social injustice. We talk about uh, um, the, the, like the social failure of the system. We talk about uh, how uh, the army can be responsible, or you know, we are expecting to see a movie that will be uh, very naturalistic, very social, like almost documentary style. Mm -hmm. And in some kind of way, we did the entire opposite. So you made it cinematic. And we looked yeah. for something cinematic, yeah. something that is closer to a neoclassic style okay. of, of Kurosawa or people like that, you know, that uh -huh. were trying to make... We didn't do it as well, of course. <laughs> but oh, we, 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 we talk about influences, you know. Sure. And, and I think what I mean by that is refusing to go where we are expecting to go or where people expect us to go or to do it in the way people expect to see it mm -hmm. in some kind of way is an act of rebellion in cinema sure. and this is what 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 uh, what um, where style is uh, becomes all of a sudden interesting to 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 understand for certain movies and so we talked a lot about these kind of things and the actor of course because Karim Leclou is a, a fantastic actor, mm -hmm. Shailene, Laurent Lafitte, Lubna Zabal, Vivian Song. We talked about the actors because they are a big part of what what makes the movie interesting, I think. When you shot, how much time was there between the Taipei scenes and the France scenes? Three weeks. Wow. Well, I mean, he, Karim, like, changed. I mean, Karim he, lost he, weight. Yeah, okay, right. He Best lost a lot of weight. 17 kilo. Okay. In so that so he just did that. He just did that okay. in 3 weeks. Wow. He was locked up in Taipei, you know, because we were like uh, when we arrived it was in the middle of the COVID crisis. Okay. And so we spent like 15 days in total isolation in our and bedrooms. He <laughs> he starved in some and ways and, out, and, yeah. he, and he worked out because he had this bicycle in his bedroom Great, yeah so he was doing eight hours of bicycling every day amazing and uh, he was just eating like a very low calorie food mm -hmm. and he got out of the room and he was a different man because that cut in in the seconds i didn't notice it really on the first flashback but on the second flashback i was paying attention and i just i looked at like his physique and it, there's there's a cut and it's very stark the difference, and I was like, you know, this is this is a transformation, and and I just I, I was thinking like the producerial mind of like, wow, this is a challenge, you know, did he really do that? But because I think in the movie, what we tried to achieve is uh, being subtle mm -hmm. and not being too much in your face, but being being very subtle in everything we do. The movie has to be very subtle and nuanced. So we wanted Karim to lose some weight, but not to become someone different. Mm -hmm. We wanted to feel like this is still the same character at a different period, uh, that comes from a different period of time, you know. And he's effectively you, right? Kind of, but I'm not a baker. <laughs> he sure. does bread, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I think, and I think, you know, for me it's here, that is interesting. Yes, it's in some kind of ways, he plays this smile that is a, a translation of me into sure. a character, but... He takes it from from a point and makes it his own. Exactly. Yeah. I, I never ask him to be me. We never talk about myself when we are on on, on, on working on set. What Just we I guess for context for those listening who might not know, 
the story is of of your lost brother mm-hmm. in real life, and it is a dramatization of it, of course. But it's it you you experienced this, and mm-hmm. and the the protagonist of the film is is the brother who lost who lost one, and um, this is your story. Exactly, it's what it is. Uh, and because in tr- what happened in the movie, uh, let's make it very cl- like short for people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like the because most movie listening won't have seen it. Yes, I know. <laughs> so so the movie is is some uh, people came last night though. Oh cool. Yeah. Uh, the movie is is uh, is organized uh, around uh, three parts. Uh, the first part is uh, in fr- in Algeria with kids, and it's, it's kind of a fairy tale, you know, that hap- that takes place in the the the. Algeria of the 90s, where we were in the middle of the beginning of terrorism and, and, and the beginning of the civil war. And uh, you have those two kids that have to escape Algeria because of what's going on there. Uh, the second part of the movie, the biggest part of the movie, is uh, taking place in, um, in France. Uh, and it's, it's, it's exactly what I like, went through with the army. Uh, but at the same time, I really like uh, made it into something that looks like Antigone, the tr- the Greek tragedy, you know. Antigone, yeah. Uh, Antigone, because yeah. you see, Antigone is like uh, she's fighting for the funeral of her brother, and uh, right. she's looking for just giving him like some honorable funerals, and this is what I had to fight for my brother at the time yeah. for them to give him some. Honorable funerals. So this there's is a difference between the national, like, like the school funeral, and the full army funeral for someone who dies overseas. As as it's explained in the yes. film, there's a difference when when someone dies in country versus overseas, and because of the injustice behind the way that that your brother died, you were fighting for the full treatment as if he were overseas because he committed to that and it was it was not his it was other people's malfeasance that led to his death so the combination of he was full he was as committed as anyone else was who happened to be overseas doesn't make a difference and he was the victim of not just a system but individuals i guess that's that's the one really really striking point that you make in the film is that if it's the system, because in the United States, I think it's got me thinking a lot. We talk about the system all the time. But the system allows people to disappear, individuals to disappear, individual responsibility to disappear. Same in France. Yeah. This is the beauty of uh, the system. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the system, we can all hide hide our, like, faults behind the system. We can always deflect our responsibility on the system. You know who... You know who did that? Oh, the Nazis. <laughs> exactly, but not just the Nazis. I mean, it's, it's anyone. It's, it's, it, it, anyone like right now is still doing that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everyone is deflecting on the system, and uh, and my 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 belief in life is uh, I truly believe in individual people and uh, the, the 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 fact that we are all have like we all have our responsibility in our choices and what we do. So in the movie, what I'm trying to do is. I'm trying to go against, like, those people hiding behind the system. They're saying that this is just the way it works. I'm sorry. 
I don't control it. This is just the way it works. And okay. you're saying, well, should it? And do you not have any control? You know, do you truly have no control over it? But exactly. And there is like a very good sentence when it's uh, the system's fault is no one's fault. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, say that in the film. Yeah. Yes, I say that in the film. And at the same time, I answer another thing in the film, this French part, is uh, I dismiss the idea that my brother passed because of a racial, uh, of a racial like uh, issue or, or because of racism. I, I try to also say it's not that. This, this night, anybody, anybody could have died in, in this housing because it's a housing, it's what happened. Yeah. Those kids were sent into a lake in the middle of the night it was almost three meters deep. It was, the water was eight or nine degrees Celsius, you know, it's very cold. And some of them got struck by cold and started to not be able to move in the water. So people start to drown everywhere. And there's about like 30, 40 kids were drown, drowning at this moment. And there were like 60, 70 kids in the water at the same time. It was a huge mess. Mm. And anybody could have died this night. And I wanted to make that very specific because there is some kind of, you know, racial injustice happening on a daily basis. And I think we should be very careful to be able to say there is social, like there is racial injustice here and there. To also say this thing is not one of right. these cases. Because if you put everything in this like box of racism, all of a sudden, the, 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 the real injustice cannot be fought anymore because some people will say, no, this is not racism. And, you know, they can make it a point, this is not racism. So I don't give them the space to make the point it's not racism. I say myself, it's not racism. But the question is, if my brother came from a richer family, from a family that is more bourgeois or more, let's say, the, if, if he was not an immigrant, Will they have treated yeah, different him this social way? standing of not being Algerian? Exactly. Yeah. Will they have treated us this way? Mm -hmm. Would but he be in that circumstance? He will have been. That's for sure. In the in the in the water. But yeah. us, when we are fighting for his funeral. Oh. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, will like they dared trying to. Je comprends. Tu comprends. <laughs> they dared like in some ways trying to dismiss us, mm -hmm. and to say we are not going to give him any funerals. Really, you know. Because all of a sudden, we're going to just bury him in the municipal cemetery and nothing happened. But the problem is, by doing so, all of a sudden, they are saying it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. That they didn't make any mistake. Or right. But by giving him like full-fledged funerals, they are saying, okay, we have our responsibility involved. In we this. have our responsibility. How far does that responsibility go? Does it end at the funeral or does it continue on for sanctions and lawsuits and stuff like that? Exactly. Yeah. And, and and the movie shows something else too is uh, the fact that there is like this soldier, this French general right. that is fighting for his, uh, for Aisha, for also because it's inspired by a true story. He fought for my brother at the time. Yeah. For him to have like honorable funeral, but not just, he was fighting also for the responsible, those other like student that led uh, to to his death, that organized this very savage uh, uh, kind of housing to be expelled from Saint-Cyr Military School, which is like the West Point of France. Right. And uh, the general staff refused. They, they, they sanctioned him because he asked for that. And we can see the movie that this yeah, guy gets turned on him at one point. 
Yes, and I think it's interesting because the critic of the system become different. We're not like being black and white saying, here's the good guys and the bad guys. We're saying, oh, if you are honest, if you are fighting for something fair or, or just, the system would punish you for that. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with just a general position of, of desperation for a lot of people where they can't afford to not hide behind the system. It, you know, just in general. Like, I... This is rather ridiculous, but I was at the Knicks game, like the basketball team, recently, and the garden, the the arena is under construction, and they have all these new rules <clears throat> and all the security. Basically, the experience is so you get checked for security constantly. It's just a very like. You're it's going a miserable to the experience. You're yeah. going to the airport. Yeah, it's like you're getting you're getting frisked all over the arena. Like like to go in and out of your seat and stuff. Like the lines of sight are all messed up for for different like diff- they have different walls up and stuff. It's just a weird experience and it's like they're spending tons of money <clears throat> and I left this experience being like so, so you're engaging with these individuals and they know what they're doing is ridiculous. They know that this, and, and and I'm using kind of on purpose the most like like silly example, mm-hmm. but it's like someone is signing up for that because it's a job, and mm-hmm. then there's someone up top who is protecting themselves mm-hmm. by creating this system for no real reason other than self preservation. Exactly They're not true. thinking about their audience, not the team. Maybe you know financially, yes, but like really. Their job is what they're focused on, mm-hmm. keeping their job. And in a situation where the where the things are flush, there's more you know there's more money. Like people are not desperate for their jobs and stuff. People are not keep holding on. People talk about like in Hollywood in the United States, in movies, everyone is just trying to keep their job, and that's why a lot of these decisions, these creative decisions, end up being made derivative of others they just they're all the same because they can always point to i got the famous person and i did the thing like the thing that worked so i replicated the thing that worked before you can't be mad at me because it didn't work the second time and i just i left madison square garden being like all these security guards could be i know this sounds so ruthless but like they could be nazis in three years you know like they could be the same mentality that they're that they're signing up to take this job and just be like just they're just doing a terrible job ruining the experience for all these people that are paying so much money it's so expensive and it's a terrible experience and people are signing up to take that job the same course of thought leads you to nazism you know what you say that is interesting <laughs> i will push this envelope a bit f- further um, Forward, sorry for my, my mm-hmm. English. Um, it's uh, during the Second World War, France capul- capitulated, and uh, they pretty much gave away half of France to Marshal Pétain, gave half of France to the Nazi, and they went to establish themselves in Vichy. And the Gaulle went to London, and he was uh, rebelling against the French army. And uh, here is like the perfect example of mm-hmm. what it is. I think every time we have been saved in history is by people that rebel against the system. Yeah. And, and this is exactly what uh, the, the general in my movie is doing, is re- like getting into rebellion 
against the yeah. system because he's fighting for what is moral and just, you know. And it's it's what it is. I think you have no matter like what system you belong to, you have to stand up for what is fair, just, and morally uh, acceptable. It's why you are there. You are not just there to execute orders. You are there because you decided to serve something bigger. And what you decided to serve is like either your country, either your community, mm-hmm. or an idea of justice. And you are there, you know, people are here for this reason. And I think it's what, what interests me is all those like people that go against the system that we are putting them in when you feel like the system is not doing something right. right. And it's where I think great men are in this position. They are the guys that say, no, what's happening here is not right. Yeah. And we're missing more and more of these people because everyone is trying to protect his ass all the time. Yeah. Protect his paycheck, protect uh, his like mind of like, I don't want to get into trouble. I don't want to fight. Exactly, I don't want to yeah. do this. But if you don't want to do this or that, don't do this job. Don't serve your community. Go work as an accountant. Yeah. Well, the way that I frame it, if you, you know, it's certainly moral. It's certainly about what is, you know, what is right. But the way that I, to myself, the way that I look at these decisions are not about some kind of almost metaphysical, almost imaginary right and wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about how I want the world to be. So I want the world to be such that, you know, let's take, you know, your brother's example. I want to live in a world where your brother's done done right, you know, done on, given the honor he deserves someone has to affect that someone has to make that happen and it's not just about doing something that is intangibly that feels good it's not just about making it feel good you have to make the world the way that you want the world to be and if you don't it stays you know it just goes further entrenched it calcifies in this way that and then you know we suffer (laughs) yes we suffer but because you say something right. You want to make the world look the way you want it to look. <coughs> yeah. You, you, you are, you, you know, at your place, at you are trying to change the vision we have of the world we are living in. We are trying to wake up people into something different. Yeah. It's like when I make a movie, it's the same thing, you know. Uh, the, the, you know, for, for many years, I have seen movies that go against, like, what they call injustice, and this is a fight between... Uh, a small like poor family or from um, uh, uh, like a family that is of color against the system mm-hmm. and it's always the same fight they, they fight against racist people they fight yeah. against those you know people in power those white people those you know and here is where i have a problem is the world is not black and white it's more 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 nuanced than that and instead of fighting against something I try in a movie to fight for something. Mm -hmm. I fight for what I want my country to be. Yeah. I fight for what I want the people to see in us. When I see us, it's socially disadvantaged people. People also coming from other country, you know, like me, I'm a refugee, I'm an immigrant in France, Muslim, because for the past, like, Decades, Muslims have been always associated to terrorism. And I'm always saying, do you realize that the first victim of terrorism are, are Muslims themselves? 
as far as I know. I don't know if, if you've seen it, but I worked on a film called You Resemble Me that came out this year that is about the Bataclan. It's about one of the one of the, it's about the the woman who was mistakenly associated with the Bataclan shooting. Oh, I didn't see that. I want to see that. No, Hasna. Oh, very yeah, interesting. Hasna I, Buhalain. Yeah. <laughs> my pronunciation is, okay, okay. is not good. I heard it, of course, I totally heard about her. It's about her, yeah. So I'm going to watch that. We put that out. I'm happy. I'll get you a link. Uh, that, it was, it was in Europe. I, I, I have to check if it's still in Europe, but um, I can get you a link for sure. Great, because, you know, yeah. I didn't spend much time in my, in my friends, in my country, in Paris, because mm-hmm. I was working on Tola for my country. On the, on the movie so I, I really want to watch it but, but we've, you kn- we've talked for months like we put it out in in november and we did we've done so many like q a's and talks about it. so i've I, i'm one of the producers and but we self-distributed the film and we talked a lot about why and we one of the first reasons is we say islamophobia like we got such stark reactions from distributors from so we premiered at venice also and that was great but apparently there was a lot of pushback within the programmers at venice so we got in somehow but there was a lot of like it it doesn't the movie doesn't say terrorism is bad don't it's not a warning it's it's about a human being it's her life the terrorist part comes in at the end it's about how she you know she it's similar structure to yours it's like act one is she's a child and she gets into the foster care system and they, the, you know, French, white French family don't really do a great job at raising her. And then she's a young woman in the world looking for her place. And she actually tries to join the army. The army didn't want her. And she, you know, has radical, cause her, her cousin is the mastermind behind the Bataclan shooting. And they reconnected and he starts talking to her about, you know, from Syria and the promised land. And she's very vulnerable to that at that point. And so the movie is, is about a human being and about radicalization and about how one can, you know, the system, it, 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 it's similar. We're like, yes, the system certainly failed Hasna, but it was a series of individuals as well. It wasn't just like some some you know vague like amorphous system like a cloud Mm. no there's people in the movie and they did it you know and uh and then when we showed the movie you know we didn't get a good distribution deal we we had very the offers were terrible and uh we decided that we had more ability to do it ourselves and we did but we had we experienced a lot of people. A lot of people look at this and they're like, wait, like I don't know, is this pro? Is this moralizing terrorism? And we're like, no, it's not. Like what? Like no, it's making you have to think about it. You have to think about this and how this person got there. Because you are trying to explain them something that today people don't want don't want to understand. Actually, they don't want to have to think. No, it's they worse than be that. Told what to think. No, it's worse than that. Is is <laughs> I mean to be very. Like, yeah, please. like crude thing, what I'm yeah. going to say. People just say, oh, she's bad and evil. We mm. don't care about w- right. why she's do- she did that. She shouldn't have done it. And the question is, if we continue to just think this way, how can we stop that from continuing to happen? We need to understand these people to avoid these things to happen again. It's like we're not going to make miracles, just like make disappear uh, this kind of radicalization. 
But if we can understand why we can fight the reason, the, the, the reason. Yeah. If we don't fight the cause that create the effect, how can we change? The cause that? is broken love. You know, l- you like see, but here, that's how we, we yeah, it's, but it's love being broken. And, and also because when you are in a country like France where we had, we went through something very violent, like deindustrialization that was very harsh for the, all those people. Uh, let's quick history listen, listen about f- what happened in France. Yeah. France, after the Second World War, uh, uh, many African countries are colonies. And slowly and slowly, those countries rebel against France and they want to be independent. They, are, they don't want to be French colonies anymore. In the 60s, Algeria in 62 is finally freed by the French uh, colonizer and they go back after a very bloody, harsh war. Dina's favorite movie that we talk about a lot is Battle of Algiers. Beautiful <laughs> movie. He is one of the yeah. greatest filmmakers and he did one of the greatest movies. I agree. Yeah. Battle of Algiers is <clears throat> a beautiful movie. And you see, <clears throat> you have many people during all this period of time that were, were brought to France because they were cheap labor, that you had to rebuild France after the Second World War. And uh, they, they, they brought them by thousands, put them in uh, like uh, housing projects. And they told them, go to the factory, make goods, make goods, make goods. Yeah. We arrived in the early 90s, and most of the factory are moving to China, yeah. you know, because it's cheaper. Right. Like for every country, it's the same story. And those, ga- those, those people don't work anymore. And you create like low employment zone, a lot of people that are looking for jobs, the end of dignity in some way, because if you don't work and provide for yourself or your family, you feel like you are a worthless human being in some way because you are not able to even like have the ability to put food on the table for your kids. So you start to live on social welfare that that are very low. And here is the beginning of a social fracture between those people that came from uh, those old colonies that have been brought here to work and the people that are in working like better jobs, paid jobs, white collar jobs. Yeah. And those people that were blue collar, but they cannot find a job anymore. And here you have a social fracture. But it happens that all the people concerned by the social fracture, we brought them here to work in the first place and factory and low paid job without yeah, giving you them did that, right. exactly yeah, they, not you. They, we understand yeah, yeah, yeah. without giving them access to education <laughs> so you you know those people oh you don't need to speak that much of French go work yeah we show you how to screw a thing it's like Fordism at its best you know but then you've got these people running around trying to survive and you know you not giving them any option to survive and what are they gonna do they're just gonna go away and die or? They just like you, slowly and slowly people don't find their place. They start to, you know, they are born in France. For all those like people that we are talking about, they are born in France. And France tell them you have no place for you here. So you have a beginning of a social fracture, you want it or not. And for the people that are a bit fragile, of course, they become crazy people. And, 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 And for me, terrorism is like... You have to be really a crazy person to try to kill someone. It's in the first place. You have to be sick, mentally sick to get there. Yeah. It's like there is something crazy about that. 
and we have to understand. It's like, it's like once, you know, I was watching the news and there's this German wing, like plane that crashed into the mountain. And on the news, someone say, we don't know if it's an act of terrorism because we don't know if the guy is Muslim or it's just because the guy is crazy. <laughs> it's like being like a terrorist, like you think this guy, the guys are not right. crazy. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, cause that's okay. That's that's a rational thing. Yeah, yeah. You are Muslim. You are a, a terrorist. You are just a killer. You are crazy. You know. But for me, those people are crazy in nature. Yeah. They just like put their craziness into a religion, and like Reza Aslan said one day, and I think this sentence says it all. If you are a violent person, you are a crazy person. You are mentally sick or whatever. It's pretty appealing. Your religion will be crazy, will be yeah. scary, will be violent. It's just who you are. You transform the thing that like come to you with who you are inside and what's going on with you. And I think it goes back to one of the virtue of the movie. It's always about individual. I go back to the individual responsibility we bear all for our actions and where we also, in some kind of way, how we are also victim of our own um like context the context we live in sure and how we can fight this context to get better than where we are yeah i think that a lot of it a lot of the right and left you know whatever right wing left wing whatever kind of radicalized politics comes from these alternative these what you're <clears throat> what you're kind of touching on is like there's these tertiary factors like violence or misogyny could be one you know that one side might provide an arena for to work that out like i this is i don't want to get onto this whole thing but like with kanye west with what's going on with him i say that that's really about his fracture with his wife and his masculinity and his growing older and not feeling comfortable with it and he is going on this string of political affiliations that attach to fractured masculinity. And it starts with fractured masculinity, and then it goes, who is comfortable with fractured masculinity? These people are these people. And he's not trying to work out his fractured masculinity. He's trying to just scream about it. He's trying to be violent about it. He's not ready to call it what it is. He's not ready to work on it. He's just trying to throw a tantrum and who is tolerant of that tantrum the right wing people are and they provide safety for people to not have to work out so same thing with violence i think they're the ones talking about guns and stuff like that if you want to kill someone in your office for example it has nothing to do necessarily with politics or whatever but you really want this and you need community who are you going to go to you're going to go to the people who talk about guns all day you know and then all of a sudden, these people, they want to find convergence. They want to find strength in numbers and stuff. And they get a little closer to each other. And then all of a sudden, the people that were maybe there because of politics and they were there because of, you know, national pride and they only use guns sincerely for protection because of they believe whatever, like have no interest in hurting. All of a sudden they have something in common with the guy who all he cares about is hurting this person in his office who wronged him and whatever. And these two people now are talking to each other and they're getting a little closer to each other's ideology. And now all of a sudden this political thing is turning into a violent thing 
and that's where it gets really scary. And now you're talking about, you know, mental illness versus political affiliation, and they've just become completely muddy, and you don't know what is what. They say they they say on the air, is this person a crazy person or is this person a terrorist? And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You see what Since I mean? what are those, you know... Yeah. It just, this, this, this guy just killed 120 passengers. Yeah. He's crazy no matter where, where, where he thinks, what, what is his ideology or religion. This guy is a psychopath. But we're saying there's a system that that <laughs> is not crazy within? No. You know, and, and what you said that is very interesting about Kanye West, there's an element that, that really is important. This guy is bipolar. Yeah. Let's add that to the mix. Yeah. He has, he has uh, <clears throat> a, a medical condition. He's, he's bipolar. Yeah. And when we take this bipolar and this guy is talking to people that are not and are listening to this, his craziness, like it makes sense. It's where he starts to be very scary, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a bipolar guy in the middle of a crisis that goes nuts and people are uh, like relating to. Yeah. So I think what's happened is it's it's he's having an, an inside crisis like in his home exactly. with himself. He's also emotionally broken. He's having a a, a mental you know chemical yes. crisis. Exactly. And he's expressing his real emotional crisis, like his his growing older and and probably not connecting with his wife in the way that he would like to. That's real. That's something that like is sense you know Mm -hmm. we should be sensitive to but he's not doing it in a way that is that is able he's not communicating well because he's fractured he's messed up but what he says what he said was absolutely disgusting we are going to be clear on that you know oh Uh, oh i'm I'm jewish i'm very jewish like oh yeah no it's disgusting you know what i mean you know it's like it's like especially because (laughs) you know I'm going to go because you said you are Jewish. It's very interesting because you see me. Uh, I'm, I, like, I, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I got uh, Yusuf Kanyot. <laughs> I will finish this donut just for the record. <laughs> but, but you see, it's very interesting because I, I grew up in Algeria. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we had this uh, thing that happened through time that we start to oppose Muslim and Jew people, mm-hmm. Jewish people. And something that hurts my feelings so deeply because you see, in Algeria, we, the Jewish and the Muslim were so mixed. Okay. My mom's name is uh, Dawood. Yeah. In Arabic, it's, it's, if I have to translate it, it means David. So, she, you know, she has like, the, she, she has in her family Jewish people. My, my, my father too, you know. And we, were, we are Muslim, but everyone was mixed in a very deep way. Beautiful. And, you know, this is where I wonder sometimes when I hear like all the hatred that comes from the, 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 this new era, where it comes from. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense for me because I grew up in such a, I, I'm bo- I was born in such an environment where those things were never even a question. You know, it's like uh, my, my neighbors, my, my mom called them, you know, they were our cousins. It's, right. it's how it is. We grew up like. In, it wasn't a thing. It, it never had been a thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And now we are putting like, we are, we are sticking people into like inside the box, you are this. If you are this, you are, if you are Jew, you have to, you are supposed to be, I think and be this way. If you are Muslim, you have to be, think and, and be this way. If you are Christian, people are trying to put us in a box and classify us. Yeah. And this is so anti-human in some ways. Yeah. Because we cannot be put in a box. We are all different from one another. We have multiple identity. And I think is where also I try to portray in, 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 in for my country, you know. It's like this kid, that is Muslim, that is fighting for uh, 
he's, he's for France, that he's ready to die for France. And at the same time, we found him in Taiwan, you know, walking in the street of Taipei, speaking yeah. Mandarin. Right, right. And we break like 30, 40 years of cliche put on like a certain category of people. And it's this place where I can finally express my vision of the world in some ways. And I think being a podcast, being a movie, being a documentary, all those things, they have to, in some way, today, bring the nuances that our our politicians, our yeah. social structure cannot bring us anymore. You're talking about the arts. <laughs> but it's what yeah. it is. It's yeah, for yeah, that, absolutely. that arts should never yeah. become a tool that will, like, fight for an ideology or a message. You understand what the U.S. is like right now, right? In the oh, arts? Of course. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's that. It's terrible. But, We're but, in a really but, scary time. Of course it's scary. You just are, You just got out of many years of Trump-like yeah. presidency. Let's put it straight. It was, it was brewing, though, before. It was happening. So I remember, I've been talking about this a little bit lately, that, you know, in my sort of timeline, mm-hmm. I was go like i was complaining i remember i I actually like yeah i i was talking in 2015 and 2016 unrelated to trump we didn't think trump was happening we didn't take it seriously we didn't take it seriously until it happened we i i have a photograph with my mother the morning i went to the inaugural my brother worked for kamala harris before you know when she was when she was just a senator before, I mean, before she was a senator. And we were there at the inauguration. I was wearing a Hillary shirt. We were celebrating. We had a celebratory breakfast the morning of, before anyone voted, for Hillary. We, we really didn't think it was happening. And yet, I remember for a year or two before that, I started changing things in my life as an individual. I stopped going. This was like, like I was so, it was so petty but I wouldn't go to dinner parties anymore. This was something I decided. I don't want to go to group dinners. If it's more than six people, I don't want to be there because the conversation started taking this turn into this weird territory where it was getting polarized. And I didn't, it was two things. It was one, it was people were talking about, you know, this nonsense. They were just, it was like, I know you read an article and now you're reciting that article three hours later at dinner. I know you're just parroting back something that you read one by one person and you're not thinking about it. You're just repeating it. And then the other is that these opinions were just going further and further into these echo chambers. And I remember I like wrote an essay about it. It was because I compared Burning Man ideology to like what eventually became the protest ideology. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying was that you are not they are preaching this radical idea, this open-mindedness, and you're not open-minded, you're just a different closed-minded. And you just, you can call it that, and it can be healthy, but that you are projecting this idea that you are evolved or different, or you know, you're seeing all sides or something like that. No, you're just creating a new side. And there is now a new, and this was what I realized, was I'm a New York and Los Angeles person, and I am surrounded by people who are who have, and I think it happened around, you know, in the early 2010s, and by 2015, it was very entrenched, and that's how we got to Trump. And that's how, I, I use the example of we went to that breakfast to celebrate Hillary. We had no idea what was about to happen in 2016. 
Because we fractured, we fragmented our country in that period. In the first five years of, in, in the 2010s. So I just, it wasn't Trump that did it. No. Trump benefited from it. What he saw it before we did. I think what Trump we did. had no idea it was going to happen. Everyone said the, the same thing. Who voted for Donald Trump? I don't know anyone who voted for Donald Trump. That's because you segmented your life. You know, uh, I want to, I want to tell you something. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for five okay. years. So from what 2000, years? yeah, okay. from 2010 to 2015. There you go. <laughs> so we can we can speak about it because yeah. I was also there when, you know, it was the presidential election between Mitt Romney and uh, and Barack Obama. Uh, I, I followed all those debates, and I remember this crazy debate between uh, Joe, Joe Biden and, and, and Paul Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden was really funny. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, found, I found this guy very funny because he was having this um, sense of uh, of um, sarcasm that he was putting on on what, what 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 Paul Ryan, that is a very conservative Republican, was trying to bring on the table. Mm-hmm. And at this moment. I understood something that is very interesting. Because I was living in the Bay Area, uh, I started by living in San Francisco. And, uh, and I, you know, I was in a very nice place. I was in around the Noe Valley, Coal Valley, all, all, all this very yeah. cute place. But gentrification started to kick in, you know, very oh, violently. Yeah. <laughs> very violently. So I found myself after in the sunset. And after I had to cross this bridge and go on the East Bay, yeah. found myself around Oakland, Emeryville. And after, I went to Wand Creek, Pleasant Hill, Concord, you know, and I moved, I was moving east and east and east, you know. And at this moment, I realized that inside the city, teachers couldn't afford an apartment anymore. Doctors couldn't afford, like working in hospital, cannot afford an apartment anymore. Nurses cannot afford an apartment anymore. And if you earn less than 150,000 USD a year, you are below the the poverty <laughs> line, which is a crazy amount of money. New York City, you're spending five thousand dollars a month now to have an apartment here. You you, you see, it's insane. It's insane. So yeah. this thing, just this, a regu- not a fancy apartment, just yes, to have an apartment. Do you have yeah. an apartment? <laughs> so here is the fracture between the coastal. That is so city. much money. Yes, the coastal cities. Yeah. San so Francisco for a studio, you pay four thousand. It's insane. It doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like, and you are creating this big gap. That amount of money should be, you should be, you're a rich person. If you can spend $4,000 a month on rent, you are rich. rich. If, I, like, if I earn that every yeah. month, I'm rich. That's what I mean. I'm saying you're a Just rich person. Yeah. You don't even need to spend right, it on rent. Right. <laughs> As a salary is already yeah. a crazy good salary, you know? Yeah. And, and it's what I mean. It's like you have like this huge fracture that starts to brew because... You have those coastal cities. You have the Rust Belt that is dying. Yeah. You have the coastal city that's becoming more expensive. You have the in in like the, the cities inside, you know, where you can afford a house for one hundred and seventy thousand, with the big big like two three floors thing, you know, and you are like seeing different population, with different issues. Yeah. And staring at each other with defiance. And here's the beginning of the fracture that led to Trump, to my opinion, is Absolutely. the unchecked, unchecked, you know, uh, growth, but also uh, how you deal with the society, you know. When you lose teachers inside the city, when you lose your nurses, when you lose your blue collar in some ways, 
inside the big cities being San Francisco when I was there or if you go to New York or something like that you are creating like some kind of ghetto for rich people yeah. and you are expelling others and those people that have to commute for two three hours a day to go work yeah that are suffering to pay their bills and rent that cannot afford like good schools for their kids they start to go in depression that they need an answer they need something and we see that years of the bush era didn't brought answer the obama era didn't brought enough answer and things got worse and after you you know people go for trump and i think this trend is taking place everywhere around the world we in france have a nationalist party that is gaining momentum yeah. they are here each time you know for the for, i see them like having more seats in the in our like senate and 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 and, and like Assemblée Nationale, which is something equal to the House of Representatives, you know, I see them having more seats. I see them like having cities winning local elections. And I'm like, wow, that's going to start to be creepy. It's because I think we are living, it's a worldwide fracture, it's ideology, it's many things mixed together, and we are not able to address them. And when I see the US politi politics right now, I was very happy to see that they are trying to finally inject money from the government to have infrastructure, sorry, uh, yeah. and to go for education and to go for m like more uh, social security, more welfare, because it's needed to bind back the whole like country together, mm -hmm. to bring back some social justice. <coughs> and this is the same thing in France. You've explained, you, you know, in, in great depth, Michael Hanukkah's cachet, which you've seen that film, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is a result of, I think it's a very, very, it's a microscopic examination of going back a little bit in, in what you were talking about, but the, frac the fracture in Algerian society with France, where you're leaving these people behind and these are skilled workers that you know were formerly higher up in society and then all of a sudden they're you know cleaning someone's floor and maybe they did that for 30 years and they just did it with a you know they, they never got to express themselves but there's this french family that's basically what the movie is and uh you know there's a father and a son and the father grins and bears it and just deals with it but the son doesn't really uh doesn't really want to yes and because uh I think, like you say, also two things. The the father very often comes from, from he came from Africa, from Algeria in this case, you know, and the son is born in France, yeah. so it's French. Right. And in France, we have something that is very different. In America, you have racial tension that are crippling the country in some place, in some ways, you know. But in France, it's worse than that. You know, someone that is in a black who is born American. He's American, you know. He doesn't think he's something else. He thinks he's a black American, but he's American. In France, someone that is born from Arabic parents or black parents, the French society doesn't make him feel always French. French, you know. Sometimes make him. Me, I'm very surprised. Sometimes I go to some places. Uh, it's written Algerian French-based director. Mm -hmm. I'm, f I'm freaking French. Yeah. <laughs> I have a French passport. I'm French, even if I'm not born here. So imagine when it's someone that is born in France that doesn't know even Algeria. He went three times in vacation in his whole life. Yeah. And people are telling him, you are 
Algerian French based or you are Alf, like Algerian French or you know so you like to just write it as French I think so yeah. because we are does that not d diminish your Algerian heritage I'm, I'm saying this out of actual no, ignorance no, no. It, like I really don't know no it doesn't because I think what what's the problem the, for me it doesn't d diminish anything about who I am but what I mean I grew up in France I've been educated in France I went to school in France my movie's title is, is for my country in English, but in France it's pour la France. Oh, that was something. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I was looking at just now as you were speaking. I, was, I made that note because I, I speak, you know, je, je parle un petit pour français. But like I was listening and, you know, in the title, but also in the movie, she says France many yes. times. And it's in the subtitles. It says country. Why? I will explain you that. Yeah. Um, First thing, is that just a marketing thing? Or no, like? <laughs> not, no marketing at all. Okay. It's, it's really meaningful, actually. Okay. It's really meaningful. But just to finish that and I, I go to the title, you know, when, when I make a movie named For My Country and people see Arabic name on it and I have those right-wing people that start to insult me crazily on, on, on social media and I receive huh. like a rain of very disgusting messages. Oh my god. And my, my, my distributor in France never saw that. There's like a thousand of people like telling us to go back to Africa. Who's the French distributor? Memento. Memento great. Great cool. people, great yeah. people. And and uh, I was speaking to them recently. They're great. They are great. Yeah. And, and and so we are like thinking, wow, this is how it is right now. So but when Zidane, when Mbappé <laughs> Zidane is uh, you know from Algerian background. Mbappé yeah. is half Cameroonese, half Algerian. Right. No, like when they are They're like, good with those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden they accept them as French. You you you're uh, the lead character in the film wears a Zidane jersey throughout it's, the flashback period. In, in, yes, yeah. in Taiwan. And I think it was interesting because this is his French uniform. Yeah. Because uh, Aisa has his army French uniform and, 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 and Ismail has his like jersey, right. French uniform with Zidane's name behind. Right. And here is what I mean. It's like we have this very weird thing happening in France where we still have a hard time for some people. They, they are still having a hard time understanding that f being French doesn't have to do with the name you carry, mm. but it has to do with your value and what you are aspiring for. Yeah. And here's the title why it comes from that. It's because I think France, like any country, it's a big fiction that we all live in. Yeah. And us, we are like social character, civic character in this fiction of our countries. We vote, we strike, we, uh, we are angry. And all that because we are all pushing for an ideal, for this ideal of a country we are dreaming for. And in France, this ideal is liberty, fraternity, and egality, you know. Equality. Yeah. So those is we those work with a band called Phoenix and uh, oh, they, I love their songs. Oh, cool. Yeah. So on the music side, on our record label, we work with Phoenix and they say Liberty, Egalité, yeah, Fraternité. Yeah. Yes, those <laughs> things are the French ideal. Is what we are aiming for as a yeah. society, and I think is where things get to like start to be interesting because this movie, I'm writing it for France. Mm. I'm writing it for my country. I'm writing yes. it for my people. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, we have a character that is ready mm -hmm. to die for his country. So he's ready to die for friends, to kill for friends, and to sacrifice his comfort for friends, for yeah. this ideal that he's trying to, 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 to grapple, you know? And I think it's why I, I choose this title, because I wanted to make the movie universal. So the English translation is for my country, for anyone around the world that watched the movie. 
they can ask the same question that I'm asking to French people. Are you ready to die for your country? Are you ready to fight for the values or the ideal of your country? Yeah. Are you ready to defend, you know, that? I don't know for myself, but my brother was ready for it. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have but no you know, in that, yeah. yes, but it's, it's a question. Is what I'm saying. My brother was ready to fight for that, yeah. and this is his choice. Me, right, right. I'm a filmmaker, so I'm not doing this. Yeah. I, I'm not there. But at the same time, I understand the utility that I have to play as a character of this big fiction that my country is. I want to go vote. I want to speak out when something is like unfair, unjust, or I don't feel like it. And this is the beauty of democracy. It's the beauty of uh, being a citizen in a, demo in, in a democratic country. And even if our countries are having their own, like, problems, sometimes we have, like, our social fracture, we feel like our democracies are sick in some way, but we have nationalist people coming into power. At the end of the day, we live in a democracy. Yeah. And this thing gives us a power as uh, citizens, as a whole pack of citizens, to change things. Mm. And this is where I think I, I understand my brother. He was not fighting because France is amazing. No, he was fighting because France, in some ways, was giving him the ideal of democracy. And, like, and, and, and in Algeria, we didn't have that. We escaped from terrorism, but also from a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. So when you live in a dictatorship and you come to a democracy, you have an understanding of it that is different, I think, too. Did he call himself French or Algerian French or Algerian or what did he call himself? He calls himself French. Yeah. And uh, f but he calls himself also Algerian is what I'm s I was saying in the beginning. Yes. We are not one identity and is sure. what I'm saying. But what disturbs me is uh, how people pick and choose for you is the, the fact that they put you on boxes. Is what yeah. I'm, Zidane is French because he, he, he won the World Cup. <laughs> Kylian Mbappe is French because yeah. he won the World Cup, you know. And uh, uh, this guy that killed people is uh, from an Arabic background. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, if you don't understand that this guy is French too, and the fact that he's a, he's a killer doesn't has to do nothing with his like, like background or racial thing. It has yeah. to do with his, the fact that this person is just a... Uh, uh, like someone that we have to lock up or to get like you know in jail or to stop like doing what they do we, it's it's like it's a criminal like any kind of criminal there is no racial thing about it criminals are criminals yeah and when we get to these points i think we get we're going to get into uh, some place where we can understand that um, we are treating human equally not based on their background or race and this thing is very important is for that for me you know i consider myself french but i consider myself algerian i have two passports i have a algerian passport i have a french passport uh, i am uh, also a taiwanese resident so oh, wow yes yeah, so i am i consider myself more of a citizen of the world than anything else to be honest with you yeah and uh I think I will be always like it's something maybe weird, but I will always be displeased about no matter <laughs> what they put on me. Like if they put like put just uh, my name, don't add me. Anything oh, I always it. check other. You know, whenever they make me do it, because I, if I I would fill in Jewish if I would, you know, they want me to say white and mm -hmm. I'm, I won't say white. Like so, I'll I'll, you know, if I if they, if I had to for some reason, like sure, whatever, I don't care. But like if it's 
ever up to me. I say other and I'll write in Jewish if they let me because that's my my, you know, small rebellion of like we are <laughs> I, I high five you because i understand that when yeah. someone pisses me off i say i'm muslim yeah because they, they say that judaism is a religion not a race and i say no Ju I'm, i'm of jewish race I'm, i'm american i was born in america but i am jewish race i'm a jewish american i understand what brooklyn you mean jew <laughs> it's a, brooklyn jew is a, it's a race on its own I'm <laughs> that's a specific type of it's, a very, yes. it's a very specific you you know it's an, it's it's a very specific thing it's like it's on ethnicity you know uh yeah like we, we have my partner and i were both descent we both have our like austrian she has israeli citizenship i never got mine but we both have um austrian citizenship as well and but like that's like a thing that's like a technicality like i'm a jew and we're from new york Yes, but like. I understand why you do that. It all has to do with one thing, is you don't want to be taken in a package that you don't feel like you belong to. Right. I'm not a white guy. Because like, for you, white no, guy, you imagine no. this guy fighting for... I know white guys. Yes, but of course. I, I, mean, I benefit from passing, from assimilating as a white guy. I, know, I can say that, but, but I'm not the same as those white guys. You, you are not assimilated at all. I think you are integrated. It's very different. Okay, that's actually fair. Yes. I like that. Yes, is what I was saying yesterday. You say it better than I do, yeah. I have like a big problem with the word assimilation because assimilation. I is have a huge problem with it. Yeah, I say it with a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, so you I, know li I, mean? I like that you said it better than me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because assimilation has to do with how to destroy someone's identi identity in some way. Yeah, it's like you, you know. You know what? You just explained me. It's, it's like <laughs> it's, it's almost a colonizer thing. It's like those guys changing the name of a whole population, turning them into Christians, uh -huh. and giving them uh, like uh, uh, like uh, like don't wear your clothes, don't do this. This way you're going to become like us and Man. this is a way to destroy someone this. and integration is something quite different is you keep the guy as it is in his part of the society and the society looks like this wow. multicultural thing that is going on together yeah and i and i and i it's 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 why in the movie for my country we see Isa doing his prayer his muslim prayer and we see like the scene at the mosque at the end and we have all those things about the fact that right. In no ways he was assimilated. He was integrated, and this is something very different from that. I think and assimilation is a pure, like an like almost nationalistic, racist like view to like uh, people coming from uh, a foreign or from an, a different ethnic background. You know, yeah, is their way to say okay, if we have to live with them, we have to make them like us. Right. It's very violent, and I can tell you something because. I, I, I lived in uh, abroad, you know, in multiple times. I lived in San Francisco for five years, and I lived in Hong Kong a bit, and uh, I lived also a bit in Shenzhen, and I live now in Taiwan. And uh, I'm always a white guy when I'm abroad, right. <laughs> and I'm always an Arabic when I'm in France. Oh, so, wow. so it's it's a very disturbing thing. It's like uh, you know, it's. Uh, that reminds me of like the way that John Carpenter speaks, the filmmaker speaks yes. about himself, where he's. He plays a different role. He's treated differently. And in, in, in France, he's an auteur. Yes. You know, in the United States, he's a B-movie director. Yes. I think he said, like, in Germany, I forget. But, like, in different places in the world, he's treated as an artist differently. And you're speaking as ideological, yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's like the same thing. And uh, But him, he, you know, you become an artist. I, I'm being very honest with myself. You become... I don't consider myself uh, as, like a director, filmmaker yet. It's a very shocking way to say it. Okay. Is because you start one of the last things I wanted to talk about was that you started filmmaking very young. You know? Yes, but it's amazing. I have to 
be honest with you, I will consider myself being that when I will have when I will deserve it. With what I mean by that is when I will have five, <coughs> like six, seven, ten movies, feature film. Okay. Uh, here is you have like all these movies that belong to you, so you are a director because you direct that. I have yeah. just made two feature film. Yeah. And I think I'm at the beginning of my journey. And it's too soon to even know who I am as a director. You know what I mean? You have to see more of my work to say, oh, this is his style. This is what he is. This is his movies. So I I, I like this idea that I'm still a work in progress. Fair. You know? And yes, to answer your question, yes, I started very young. Uh, 16 years old. Now I'm 37. So it's been 21 years that that I'm working in the movie industry. I uh, have acted for Keshish, for Desplechins, yeah. and I worked in production for Sylvie Piara for a while too. And I have been also uh, electric uh, crew, I have oh been wow. uh, 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 a PA, I have been uh, uh, AD, I have been like a camera operator. Sometimes I have made so many things in my journey because uh, I needed to work, I needed to make uh, some money to to pay the bills, to you know. So yeah. I come from a, from a poor like from a poor family, like you saw it in my movie because we left Algeria with nothing, yeah. and so I have to go through this path. And I can tell you something: when I look back, it gave me so much, so much, like understanding. I learned so much from it. I'm so grateful to have experienced this hardship because in some kind of way I learned a lot about my work today and I feel like I'm able to understand things I would not have been able to understand if I was just like coming and everything was there easy so you know what I mean it's beautiful yeah. it's, it's just what I think it's just like being turning you know had like like what my mom said one day uh, you, you know she was like the way you can become mentally strong is by turning every problem you have into a benefit. So you take something yeah. that's difficult, make it into something that makes you grow. Yeah. You cannot make money because you you know it's, you cannot fundraise your movie because it's too difficult right now. You are too young, you are not ready, people don't want to trust you to give you money to make that, you know. And I was 25 years old and she was like do something that makes you grow. And you will see at the end of the day, you will have learned something, you will not have lost your time. Yeah. You're gonna be better, yeah. And this is how I worked my way through this movie industry. And uh, I think uh, is what I want to say to uh, people that listen to you sure. is you know we live in a society where we tell you your dreams are not achievable anymore. We tell you it's too hard. Forget it. Do something else. Come on. The limits are not. You know the limits are put by people that don't believe in themselves. Yeah. And so I encourage you to believe in yourself. I encourage you to believe that you can make it. And I, I'm going to be even worse than that. I, I, I think when you fail, when you know what you do is not good enough, or when you see that it's not what you wanted, that your movie is being like not appreciated, or you feel like the critics are harsh, or the movie, even when you see it, say, fuck, <laughs> this is bad, you know? Yeah. Man, this is just part of the journey. You have to become better. You have just to think, okay, move on, next. And I have to be better on the next one, and I have to do my best, and I have to continue to progress, and I have to accept like, uh, all my shortcomings. 
and to look at how I can be a, a better artist uh, and a better person to to achieve something that is more like uh, beautiful. I, I take always this example of M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. His first feature film was whew, harsh. It was people were laughing at it because it was very bad. And it has been like really smashed by. Wait, what was his first uh, movie? Check. It's before the sixth sense. Huh? When you look for it, uh, I'm taking this down. Yeah, have have the bite. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so he made praying with anger, and wide awake before Sixth Sense. So he made two like nothing movies. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and he starred in it. He did everything. Wow. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. You know where I'm going at. Yeah, yeah. He got better. He didn't get better. He got into this place where Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, mm-hmm. are two masterpieces of contemporary cinema. Let's be true with ourselves, you know. The, the craft of those two movies is, is, is impressive. The actors are, are, are very beautiful. It's very nuanced, subtle, and well-directed like, and written. And this is what I mean is he went through the hardship in the beginning and after that he was like okay I'm here and when he was there he was really there and those two movies nobody can you like them or you don't like them doesn't matter they're a big piece of cinema and it's just what I mean is is a great example of what I'm trying to convey yeah. as a message is we need to continue to fight for what we believe in and don't don't allow people to just like put a roof over our dreams, you know. He did that with Miramax, apparently. The movie he made right before Sixth Sense was with, it was like this very, uh, he made one for himself, it seems, and then he made one studio, like, not studio, you know, indie studio movie with Miramax that was like this rom-com, like very stupid movie. That's and what I mean. a year later, though, he made Sixth Sense. So. I'm talking about this one. Yeah. It's insane, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it, and, and, he went through to make also other movies that are, are like The Village, yeah. Signs. I watched The Village last week, actually. Like, I just rewatched it. I, I saw it all when it came it, out, but it, I rewatched it. It's a great it, yeah. movie. Yeah, The Village is. It, the Village got a harsh response, but Village is, Village is very cool. It's a big idea. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, if we have to be honest with the movie, it's this kind of movie where not like everything is not perfect. No. There is a lot of things. That science is amazing. Science. Yeah. Science. Sci- science, I love science. Science. Science is amazing. Yeah. But the village has something that those don't have. Yeah. This has a, a challenge to it. Yeah. That comes from this imaginary like community. This um, almost closed in. People. There's rules. There's like world building that he he had to do. Yes, and yeah. in this thing, I think he, he makes us feel like the anxiety of being inside of it. Yeah. And this is, for me, something that is worth, like, taking as, as a filmmaker. I'm like, oh, he did that, so how did he do like, it? you make, like, a thriller like that no, or no, 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 no. I'm not going to... Uh, you see, I know my limitations. Right. I put them what, myself. What do you mean? You just said... You just no, said. no, 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 my limitations is <laughs> I cannot do... You decided, do, I guess. No, no, I'm not, I know I would not be able to do comedy. Okay. I don't have the... I don't have the... 
I don't know how to do comedy either. I've never. I went to film school and I used to talk. I there were all these. I went to like an amazing comedy school and like all the comedy kids. I was like, I don't understand what you're doing when you're writing these jokes. I don't get it. I don't understand how. Like, I laugh in life. <laughs> things are funny, but I don't understand how to like write a joke. I just don't get that. You see what I mean? It makes no sense to me. It's super hard. <laughs> so this is a very specific craft. Yeah. And I, I don't think I can do something where there's too much, like fantasy in a way that uh, fantastic story like like the village is you know yeah. because it's another way it's another way to make movies or stories sure. i'm very focused on more like it's, it's it's what focused me is character and their drama so what i like is when people struggle in their in, in the situation we put them in I, I like the idea of those very old greek tragedies you know when people have to overcome their own hardship and they yeah. have to deal with the state, they have to deal with their government, they have to deal with the power in place and they have to deal with all those things. This thing are more into something that I can relate on yeah. and with, sorry, because of my background as a person, but I have a huge admiration yeah. for, 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 for those people that can do that. And we did it and science is amazing. Science is amazing because science it has to do also with, with family. That's probably my favorite one of his. Yeah, because family, yeah. what they're going through, is is really interesting, and the kids are great, and all those things are very hard to make work together, and yeah. it works perfectly. Yeah. and he is a great example of that. He's gone up and down a lot. So, what about you? What are you gonna do next? Uh, I think the first thing I'm doing is like I'm going to Taipei, uh, like uh, on the on the fifteenth. Because I'm shooting uh, like uh, some kind of uh, anthology uh, of short stories, like oh, cool. Paris, I love you, New okay. York, I love you. Yeah, it's named Tales of Taipei, and okay. uh, uh, the Taiwanese are inviting us with Karim Leclou, who act in for my country, cool. to to do uh, a story there. So we are shooting three days. You wrote it already, or yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Great. And uh, so we are going into in doing that, and after I will start again <laughs> to write my my next, next feature film. Yes. Cool. And so it's my next uh, struggle coming. All right. Well, that's exciting. And I'm, I'm happy you're here in New York. I'm happy you got to do Rendezvous with French Cinema. And, uh, Me too. I want to say a, a special thank you to Florence Amondini and uh, uh, Adeline uh, Monzier for, for, for their invitation. And uh, because uh, for me, uh, it's really thanks to them that we're here today uh, with other French directors. And uh, so I'm very thanks grateful. to them. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you. Thank man. you both. And uh, I hope people get to watch the movie soon. Memento, I'm sure we'll have a plan for a U.S. release at, at some point. Thank you, man. Ciao. All right.